This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Well, Steve, uh, I, I want to thank you for coming on the call to begin with. I appreciate uh, you reaching out and, and sharing what's been going on with you. I've been very interested to, to dive into it. Um, and I don't want to give too much away before we get started. But thank you for being here, man. And, you know, I think as much as I don't like to script anything, it's important that we start with people getting to know a bit about you. Um, so maybe you could start by just introducing yourself and, and letting us know the kind of work that you've been doing. Sure. Uh, so uh, my name's Steve Lund, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, talking to you today. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to, to be on your podcast and get to know you a little bit better. Um, so uh, I'm a 50-year-old guy, 51, um, and I live in Austin, Texas. Uh, I have a wife and uh, two children that are both in college right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've had a successful uh, career of a good, uh, good life. I'm very, feel very blessed. Um, and really kind of what I've been uh, doing lately and what's brought me uh, to you is uh, an event that happened to me uh, four and a half years ago, close to five years ago now, um, where I almost uh, died and uh, had this miraculous recovery. Um, and I started sharing, sharing my story about this uh, experience uh, that I had. So uh, it's, it's, <laughs> as, we'll, as we'll get into it it's, a, it, it's a pretty crazy story. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's kind of the the highlight that I'm that I'm looking forward to for sure. And I'm definitely keen to not only hear about that story, but to hear what it is that you've been doing with that story uh, mm-hmm. since since the accident. And um, well, um, yeah, Steve, I think there's no point in in too much foreplay here. Let's let's hear the story, man. I, I want to hear what happened to you and and. I'm, I'm as new as anybody listening to this. I deliberately avoided reading about exactly what the story was because I wanted to hear it from you first. So let's jump into yeah. it. All right, perfect. Yeah, so the story, um, it all started um, on March 9th of 2014. Um, and I call that day now my alive day. But um, I was on a spring break uh, skiing vacation with my family. Uh, and I... Uh, came out of my skis in the middle of a groomed black diamond run, landed on my back, slid down the hill, and went uh, headfirst into a tree uh, at 45 miles an hour. I had this uh, ski tracks app on my phone, was recording how fast I was going. That's why I know it's like wow. how exactly how fast I was going. So I hit this tree headfirst, 45 miles an hour, um, wearing a helmet, thankfully, or I wouldn't be talking to you today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, I was flown from the mountain to, uh, it was in Breckenridge, Colorado, flown to Denver, Colorado, the hospital there, uh, and the doctors there um, basically saved my life. Um, The injuries that I had were um, pretty extensive. I had um, uh, a severe brain injury, bleeding between the skull and the brain, bleeding inside the brain, bled into my left eye my left ear. Uh, I damaged the nerve that controls where my eyes point, so my eyes are no longer pointed in the same direction. I collapsed both lungs. I tore a blood vessel behind my sternum that bled into my heart cavity, so my heart couldn't beat properly. 
and I broke 11 bones. I broke my sternum in several places, three ribs, my left arm, and I broke six vertebrae. I broke my neck in two places, and I broke my back in four places. Um, so to just survive all of that is um, pretty remarkable. Um, but to have recovered completely, uh, nearly completely like I have, um, it's, I really feel like I'm a walking miracle. And I was brought back on this earth to, to share this story. Um, and the story is not about the accident. The story is more about the recovery um, and the role my attitude played um, in, in my recovery. So it, I could jump into that or unless you have other, other questions for me about the accident itself. Yeah, well, at first I'm sort of just reeling at the yeah. extent of the damage there. Um, I mean, that's essentially like being hit by a car, but you're facing the car with your head. That, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, one, one little thing I'm curious about, how much of the accident do you remember or, is, or you kind of have to be told what happened? Yeah, I don't remember the accident uh, at all. Last thing I remember was probably about 10 minutes before the accident. Um, when I called my wife, she hadn't gone out. It was her first run of the day. She hadn't gone out skiing yet. And so I just yeah. told her um, I was skiing with my brother-in-law where we were going to be. And, um, and then the next thing I remember um, really is waking up in the hospital. And uh, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's something I have to ask about. I mean, uh, I can't even comprehend. I've had like, Maybe I think I've had two broken bones at the same time, and that would be my most horrific injury ever, sort of thing. So we're not even in the yep. same universe, but that hurt. Like I thought, that's this pain. Like I now know what pain is. I hadn't broken a bone before, and when I broke those two, I was like, ah, oh, that's what pain is—physical pain. Yeah, I can't even yeah, imagine was... why you felt. Like, tell us a bit about the experience of kind of waking up and becoming aware of the injuries. Yeah, so it was, um, uh, it was the next day, one day later. Um, and at the time, um, the doctors had told my wife, they said they weren't sure if I would ever wake up because of the extent of the brain injury. Mm-hmm. And they also told her that if I did wake up, if they weren't sure if I'd be the same. And they didn't know if I'd be able to walk again because of the broken um, uh, vertebrae. They said, we just have to wait and see what kind of nerve damage there is. Um, and so when I woke up, um, I had a breathing tube in, so I couldn't talk and I started, um, making a motion. Like I was, I was confused, like, where the hell am I? Mm. Um, and I started making a motion, like I wanted to write. And so Deanna, uh, my wife scrambled around the, the <clears throat> ICU room, got a pen and, and uh, paper for me to write on. And I wrote, um, three questions. I wrote, where am I? She said, uh, you're in the hospital in Denver. It's like, second question was, what happened? She said, you were in a skiing accident. And then the third question was, um, when can I go home? <laughs> when can I leave? And, um, and she's, her response was, well, the doctors are just going to keep you here for uh, a little bit and make sure you're okay and we'll go home a little bit later, but not right now. And um, I was in a – you know, ton of uh, IV painkillers that they were putting in me. Um, but I could tell that like, I was in bad, uh, bad shape. Um, but it, my um, attitude um, 
and I look as I look back on it now, I kind of find it strange that it um, that I, it never occurred to me that I wouldn't recover. Um, and from that moment I woke up, it was, was I had kind of an acceptance, like, okay, well, this is the way. This is kind of I can't change this. This is kind of my situation now. Uh, um, what do I need to do to to move forward? And um, I've always been a very uh, optimistic person, um, and that um, kind of op- that optimism really did help to to save my life. Uh, but my attitude when I woke up, oddly, wasn't um, sadness or anger about what had happened. It was just it was pretty quickly acceptance. Um, and then what do I need to do to move forward? Wow, you know. I mean, Brojo, we quite often reference the Stoicism philosophy, uh, which talks about kind of you just accept life as it is and you make the most with what's happened. But the reason they had to make a whole philosophy about it is because how difficult that is to do for so many people. Yeah. So one thing that immediately springs to mind here, you say you've always been optimistic. Does that mean like this comes naturally to you or did you develop that optimism in some way yeah i think um a little bit of both is the way i describe it Mm -hmm. um i think it was i've always been an optimistic kind of happy person um and although i didn't do it purposefully um when i was you know studying leadership and things like that all the things that i as i look back on it now all the things that i was studying was more about positive leadership and optimistic leadership and I think by practicing that over time, I made myself more optimistic and more positive just through uh, the repetition of, uh, of doing that. Um, mm. Since the accident in, you know, with the book that I wrote about the story and how my attitude saved my life, um, I've been um, far more purposeful about um, maintaining and developing uh, that positive attitude. Um, and you, you had said something uh, uh, earlier about um, the, the, the pain, and I wanted, to, I wanted to share a story with you of, mm. uh, like, the most painful part of this thing. And this is, like, the, the part of the story of why I say my attitude uh, saved my life. But it was um, basically, um, uh, so six days after the accident, um, I had the breathing tube uh, removed. My lungs had healed enough that I could breathe on my own. Um, and the doctors and nurses at that point said, um, told me that um, my lungs still had a lot of healing to do and I would need to do breathing exercises to continue to make them heal. And those breathing exercises involved like once an hour breathing into a, uh, through a device called a spirometer that measures how much air you're bringing into your lungs. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a target that I, that I couldn't hit, but basically the idea was I had to take four or five breaths, really deep breaths once an hour to expand my lungs. And that was what I needed to do to keep them healing. Um, and the, but the problem with that is when you take a deep breath, when you have a broken sternum, like it, you know, like broken ribs, everything moves mm-hmm. and it hurts like hell. And so I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. That hurts too much. My lungs have healed just fine without me doing any of this. I'm not going to do it's like, I'm not going to do that. It just hurt too much. And it was the, 
uh, next day on day seven when I had a profound experience um, laying in the hospital bed, and I believe God spoke to me. And what I heard was, Steve, if you want to live and see your kids again, you need your lungs. And if you mm-hmm. want your lungs, you're going to have to fight for them. And then it was gone. And I'm sitting there going, crap. <laughs> I know what that means. It's like I have to do these breathing exercises now. Um, and so you could say, since I believe it was God that spoke to me, I did it religiously. But from that point forward, every hour I did those breathing exercises and I did them to the greatest extent that I could. And um, so it hurt during taking the deep breaths. Um, but what hurt worse was after I took four or five deep breaths, um, about a minute later, I would feel it would loosen up some of the blood in my lungs. And about a minute later, I'd um, have to cough it up. You'd have this rattling in the bottom of your lungs. And I would have a violent coughing fit and cough up whatever blood had gotten loose in my lungs. And it happened every time I did these breathing exercises. And so if you've ever coughed with a bruised rib, having a violent coughing fit with a broken sternum and broken ribs and broken back was by far the most painful thing I've ever done and experienced. Uh, and I did it um, every hour. Now, um, and I just, I had that attitude. It was like kind of the, in my head, it was, if you didn't do this, you were going to die. Like, so I'd like, had no, I really had no choice. Just like, there's just something I had to do. Um, and then two days later, um, on day nine, I, my lungs had healed to the point where um, I was completely off of the oxygen. They'd taken the oxygen tube out of my nose. And um, uh, that was when I had uh, suffered a complication of a bilateral pulmonary embolism. And that's where the blood in both of your lungs starts to clot and it starts to spread. And that's a complication that um, uh, will kill you very quickly if it's not diagnosed and treated uh, right away. And I believe um, that if I hadn't been doing those breathing exercises for the previous two days, that the doctors and nurses wouldn't have had the time to diagnose and and inject me with blood thinners to get those blood clots uh, out of my lungs. So that's why I say with with conviction that um, it really was my attitude that that saved my life. Yeah, well, I can see how you came to that conclusion. Um, That's quite incredible because this is, I think, maybe the bit that I I love about your story in terms of searching for how it applies to other people. I mean, not every (laughs) – I might sound a bit cruel saying this, but it sounds – I can understand why you'd be grateful for this experience. Um, Yeah. It brings the best out in you. And you know what what really interests me is you said – essentially this message comes through, I'm going to die if I don't do this. And you really like believed it. And you also had that, that, that understanding that, that if you die, other people miss out on you. Like this is more than just you yeah. as well. I right. mean, one of the, one of the biggest struggles I see in the work that I do, like coaching people and running self-development stuff is that people aren't scared enough of not trying to really be motivated to do it. You know, they're, they're not going to die if they don't do it. They'll just have a kind of mediocre life. And, yeah. and sometimes I feel kind of sorry for them because they're not, they don't have something that moves them enough to get them, you know, off their ass and doing it. Um, yeah. So it's incredible for you to have such motivation in such a moment of just horrific physical agony. Um, yeah. It's, 
it was it was um, it's interesting you you say that about you know the gratitude you know at the t- at the time I wasn't grateful for the opportunity you know to to, <laughs> yeah. to go through that uh, but looking back on it um, now it's like um, uh, I had to go through that um, in order to um, to have this story to to share to have grown like I did through that experience um, and so I look back on it now and say. I know, knowing that that I would come out the other end, okay, I would do it all over again. Um, and one of the things that uh, um, it, it kind of tangentially, one of the other things that it did for me, this whole experience of having a near-death experience, it's kind of a shame that it takes that for me to wake up and really appreciate uh, the time that I have here. But it profoundly changed kind of my uh, life uh, uh, in that, you know, I say three things now are, are different about me. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that I enjoy moments uh, a lot more than I ever have before. I value my time a lot more than I ever um, have before, and I'm much more purposeful uh, with that time. I, I recognize now um, how short life is and how it can change in an instant, and you really don't know how much time you have here. And, um, it's kind of a odd thing or morbid thing to say, but death is a huge motivator. Mm-hmm. Um, like we only have a certain amount of time and let's, we can't, you know, we can't waste it. Um, it's, it's, but it, it changed my life in that. And so now, you know, I'm sharing this story. It's one of my purposes in life is to share this as broadly as I can. And this message that I have that I've been given um, to share, it's like my, my purpose now. Well, I'm so glad that you are because you bring up two points that I try to hammer home with people all the time, but it's a really hard sell. One is people seem to be complacently naive to the fact that they are definitely going to die, that the, the clock's running out and now's the time to kind of, you know, make the most of the life. And the second thing is that pain is actually good for you in certain, uh, in many ways. Uh, And I think you're the first person I've spoken to who's been that close to both of them um, in terms of of being that close to death to the point where you just can't lie to yourself about how how quick death can happen and how unexpectedly it can happen to anybody, but also that deep in pain where you can actually experience probably as much pain as a human can without passing out. Uh, Yeah and then be grateful for that afterwards. Let, can we dive into that a bit more? Uh, how do you make sure. someone understand the benefit of the pain you went through? Yeah. Um, it's, 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 um, it's a great question. And it's like one of the, the key um, messages with this stuff is that if um, this, you know, this, experience in my life was one that um where i I grew probably the most Mm -hmm. um and i think that's what's the the key if you look back on all of your life experiences um the places where you grew the most or learned the most or um developed the most were in times of the most difficulty that you had those are the things that made you who you are today um and 
you know, we never, you know, at the time we're going through something that's, that's terrible or suffering, um, we don't appreciate it. But if you have this, the right attitude, you look back on it and realize, okay, I, these times when I'm suffering are the times when I'm learning and growing the most. Um, and that's a, that's a part of the, the, the message in the book and the story is about um, how uh, you can use um, a, a positive attitude to help you um, overcome even the toughest uh, situations. Um, you know, it's not about trying to um, short circuit all of the other emotions that you that you have. Um, I've tried to like push them all away because I started talking about positivity. It was like I told myself I can't feel these a- anger. Like Steve, come on, man, you're Mister Positivity. You can't mm-hmm. be angry. You can't be sad. You're a hypocrite if you feel all these other emotions. So I tried to push them out um, and wound up realizing that you know what I was what I was going through. This was something that happened after um, this uh, uh, event. Um, but I realized you, all of these emotions that we have are an important part of uh, our experience and help us deal with situations we're in. Um, and so don't try to avoid them, but I would say also don't get stuck in them. And the positive attitude is, is the one where if you bring this attitude to a terrible situation that you're in, you can use it to, you can use that attitude to uh, overcome that situation uh, quicker uh, as well as learn more from uh, that situation that, that you're in. Um, but it takes that reframing, uh, the kind of purposeful reframing to go make it happen. Well, now you're really talking my language because, you know, one of the, one of the most difficult things that I've found being in the self-development I guess industry is confusion about what the word positive means. It's a really loaded word in the sort of self-development world. And I was actually, I was expecting we, we might have to argue about it, but from what you've said, I think yeah. we're on board. So I, what I'd really like to do now is explore with you. What is the difference between a positive attitude as you see it versus like suppressing so-called negative emotions like how do you have a positive attitude and like give respect to all of your emotions at the same time? Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's certainly not easy to do. Um, and I'll just kind of just tell you my experience with it because mm-hmm. like when I, um, started telling this story, um, uh, I really thought that, um, and I studied, um, I studied positivity after I, got out of the hospital um, and I got home, basically I'll kind of do this sidetrack and then I'll get back to your, to back to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied um, the brain because that was the one thing um, when I got home out of the hospital, I was still doing therapy, but the brain injury was the one thing that was very uncertain in terms of I've recovered from that or not. And I learned two things about the, about the brain. Um, one was um, that a positive attitude, um, how there's a lot of science behind how important a positive attitude and taking confidence into a situation, how important that is to the outcomes of that situation and how it can affect it. So there's a lot of science out there around that. And then the second thing that I learned was about neuroplasticity 
Um, and for someone with a brain injury, that's a beautiful thing. It basically means your brain is constantly rewiring itself based on what you do and think. Um, and there's a lot of science now behind this with the uh, MRI imaging that they can do of brains that they show um, that your brain physically changes um, if you practice certain things. Like if you practice positivity, those positivity circuits in your brain grow. Um, so, um, you know, with that, um, that was kind of the, the core of the story that I started telling. Like, you can have a, a positive attitude will help you get through situations. And you, no matter if you're optimistic or pessimistic or wherever you are on that scale, you can move it by just practicing um, positivity on a regular basis, kind of being purposeful about it. You will slowly develop those circuits and become just more naturally, um, have that more natural positive attitude when something goes wrong. And so that was the message that I was sharing. It's all about positivity. And um, at the time, I was like, so the, there is no purpose of any of these other negative emotions. And what I've learned to call them since is unpleasant emotions, not negative. Mm. They're, they're all there. They all have a purpose. Um, but I was push, purposely pushing those away, not allowing myself to feel them um, because I thought I was a hypocrite talking about positivity and feeling sad and feeling anger and like, you, you wouldn't let myself do it. And the situation that I was in that was making me have those feelings never went away. I never addressed it, didn't go, um, I'll say dive into it and really feel those emotions and do what I needed to do to help get um, past that situation. And it was a, uh, um, it was a, a situation at work with the, tell you it's like I got demoted uh, mm -hmm. at work and this was a year and a half after the accident um, yeah. and at the time um, it was a huge impact to my um, self-esteem my self-esteem was injured um, and I wouldn't I was trying to get overcome it with just positivity and not feel the anger of being wronged and and the sadness of you know all the all these emotions that go with the um, a bruised self-esteem and uh, I think it was an important, I think I needed to go through that to, to learn it. And as I'm sharing the message about positivity, it's not about being positive all the time. You feel these emotions. They're there for a reason. You're angry because somebody is like on your turf or doing something that's violating a boundary that you have. And you need to uh, recognize it and, and address it. So you have to, these feelings have a, have a meaning, have a purpose. Um, and my rec my recommendation now is to go lean in to those and really feel them and like say okay what is happening here how am I, why am I feeling this what is going on and just lean into it um, and experience that emotion fully internally I would say um, to to learn what you need to learn from it um, and the risk is just like don't I'd say don't get stuck there so lean into it. Take what it take what you can from it, but don't stay there. Um, uh, try to try to break break free from it as well. But um, I learned it. I learned it the hard way. It took me probably I'd say ten times as long to get over a situation and get past that um, than it would have had I allowed myself to to feel the emotions uh, that I needed to feel. I hope people really hear that. 
because this is you know this is important this is actually new for me to have someone uh essentially advocating the positivity message but not um suppressing the other emotions which what i love is you call them unpleasant i I think i use similar word actually i uh, call them unpleasant or sometimes call them painful but i really try to avoid calling them negative because it's it implies that they don't have worth and implies that they take things away from your life and that's as you've discovered not accurate and even if it was reacting to them that way doesn't help you know what i mean what really stands out for me and i really want to get into the practical of this I've got a question I want to plant in your head, which we'll come round to, which is how do you get what you know into the head of someone who's very pessimistic uh, as a kind of natural setting? You know, someone who's always like the kind of person who would wake up from that accident and go, woe is me. And that would be their kind of reaction to all things in life. Um, We'll come back to that. But what was it? that turned you around on being more accepting and respectful of the other emotions. What was the kind of breakthrough for you? Um, the breakthrough for me was um, that I, I got help. Honestly. Right. Um, I was struggling with it and I wound up seeing a um, psychologist um, uh, because I was like just stuck. Um, and was starting to um, behave, I'd say I was starting to behave differently, um, and I didn't understand it, um, and, like, I, my life wasn't unraveling, but I feel, but it felt like it could <laughs> mm. um, quickly. I was like, I, I need help, um, and so I wound up talking to a psychologist, um, and the reason, the reason I went to the psychologist, it was a year and a half after the accident, and I was um, still... Um, filled with um, uh, not self-doubt is too strong of a word, but I was um, constantly, um, uh, I'll say, poking at myself going because I was uh, worried about the brain injury. Like, mm. And constantly, like everything that I did, if I didn't understand something, um, that inner voice inside of my head would say, huh, see, you're not the same, you're, you're – you're stupid now. <laughs> you, right. You're not, you're not smart anymore, you know? And so I always had this, this negative voice in my head kind of going, Oh, you don't understand. There's something wrong with you. You're not fully recovered. Like, and so it would, um, and I was like worried about it. And so I thought, Oh, maybe, maybe there really is something wrong with my, with my head because of the accident. And I talked to the first time I talked to the psychologist, she said, okay, there's nothing wrong with your, your head from brain injury. That's not the problem. You're having problem with dealing with your emotions. And if you'd like to, to work on that, um, I'm would be happy to help you. I'm like, okay, well, it was good news. That it wasn't my brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and the emotions, those really didn't know uh, what I, what I didn't know. And, but I worked with, worked with her. Um, she helped me recognize that, um, these other emotions had a purpose. Um, and she was the one I called them negative emotions at the time. Like these are negative emotions. I don't want to feel them. And I want them away. And she kept, you know, over the course of probably once a week for probably four or five months, um, going in and talking about it. And she would, um, make me essentially make me 
recognize when I felt these emotions and really feel them and um, it, it um, and kind of get, she also helped me get under the core of what was bubbling up through this bruised self-esteem. There was other things in my past that I hadn't dealt with as well. Um, and so those things were bubbling up as I was working with her. And so she helped me work through all of this, uh, all this stuff. And so it's like, uh, <laughs> really strange, but, you know, and through the course of that, it was a suffering. She described, she said it was a, a mild depression. Like, like I was going through, like these emotions were bubbling up of things that I hadn't dealt with, um, in the past. And, um, so I was writing a book on positivity and feeling depressed at the same time. That <laughs> is like, like, I was like, Oh my God, there's like, this is the most bizarre thing. And I don't admit that to many people, but that was like what I was going through. And I think, um, I'm thankful that I did again, because if I hadn't, my message would, like you said, would be all about positivity and all these emotions aren't important. And, um, I'm super glad that I learned how important all these emotions are so that when I do share this message about positivity, um, it is in balance with the other emotions and you can be an optimistic person and still feel angry, still be sad. You know, these, all of these things are there for, for a reason and you have to feel them. And, uh, but for me to feel them, I had to, um, I had to get help. Um, and it took this, I'll say, wasn't quite a crisis in my life, but it would have become a crisis had I not um, gotten help uh, and gotten through these things. Yeah, that's, uh, this is huge. You know, there's a couple of things that, that sort of stand out to me. One is it almost seems like you're more affected by the job demotion than the accident. And I might, <laughs> I mean, emotionally. It's true. It's, it is the, it, the most bizarre thing, like I almost died, like nearly died, nearly left my family, went through this horrific recovery and was the most painful thing I've ever been through. And, but emotionally, it wasn't hard for me. Mm-hmm. This job demotion, like compared the two, like it's like a knit, but it like wrecked me emotionally. It was just, it makes no sense. But that's, that's what happened. <laughs> that's the brain for you, right? Well, actually, this yeah. um there's a couple of things I really resonate there. I mean, there's nothing more ironic to me that when I'm writing a piece on confidence while the voice in my head is giving me heaps of shit, you know, it feels just so contradictory and, you know, I kind of like, am I even allowed to be writing this? And then, you know, I realize this is just normal human stuff, but yeah, to be writing a book on positivity while you're depressed. I mean, not only is that kind of hilarious, but it's also just so human. You know, I, I always try to keep that yeah. in mind when I read people's books now is are they going to be bold enough to tell me that they're not perfect as well? You know, because that's one of the things I wanted to recognize about you is I might be reading between the lines a little bit, but that identity you had of the positivity guy and just how much you would have had to swallow your pride to go see a psychologist. I yeah. mean, that must have been huge for you. It was, it was, uh, it was huge. It was difficult. Um, and I think the reason I allowed myself to do it, um, was because as a part of the, um, 
recovery, one of the therapists um, that I had seen, um, like a um, like a speech therapist, a occupational therapist, physical therapist, and a psychologist, um, all uh, working with me on my recovery. Mm. Um, and the psychologist, um, the speech therapist, was basically all about um, you know the brain recovery. It wasn't just speech. Um, right. And then the psychologist. Um, her role was like she gave me basically an IQ test to go identify, you know, what parts of the brain were were damaged or needed help. And then she was also, um, I think people that go through these serious accidents also suffer depression, um, which yeah. I didn't suffer during that recovery. Um, but she was kind of always looking for that. Um, so I had a little bit of experience working with, with a psychologist um, and knew that, you know, it wasn't uh, that it was that it was a it, it could be a good thing, and so um, uh, I expected when I went back to the psychologist the first time that it was going to be about um, the brain injury, um, and I wouldn't have to go. Um, if I had known that I would have to go into all these emotions and go uncover stuff and dig things up that needed to be processed. I'm not sure I would have done it because it was, it was hard work uh, as well. Um, and a different kind of pain than the, than the physical pain. But um, it was, to me, it was kind of scarier because um, um, I was so, um, what I recognized was that, you know, for my whole life I had been, you know, suppressing these negative emotions and not dealing with things um, that I needed to. Um, and so, but because I was in the middle of it, um, I couldn't, I couldn't stop seeing her, um, cause she was, she was helping me through it. Um, and so like it was, um, I gave myself the, the entry to go see a psychologist because I had the brain injury and worked with one and, and I expected it was going to be about the brain injury and, and she immediately just said, nope, it's not the brain injury. It's this, uh, I'll call it emotional health. Um, and that, that was what we started working on. Um, and it took me a long time to, for her to kind of break through the shell that I had um, built around um, around myself and actually start feeling these things again. Um, and it was, it was hard work, to be quite honest. Yeah, you know, uh, some people might be surprised to hear it that essentially your recovery from the emotional issues was was possibly even more painful than the physical one, but a different kind of pain altogether. It certainly sounded like you uh, felt a lot more resistance and, and had a lot more difficulty maintaining the go-getter attitude when it came to dealing with the emotional stuff than you did with the physical yeah. stuff. You know, I mean, this is um, one of the reasons I love bringing this up. You know, a lot of this podcast is about helping people realize that we're all just humans and all the stuff that you think is crazy about yourself is actually fairly, you know, um, fairly standard issue for a human. And, And one of those things is somebody will have a lot of emotional suffering because of something and then they'll beat themselves up because they think that it's not worth suffering over, you know, and you get somebody who's like, the example I think of is a weird one when I wouldn't eat my dinner as a child and my parents would bust out the old, you know, what about the starving children in Africa? 
you know, like that's going to make me hungry, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and so I'd have this, like, I'd have this extreme guilt. My, my, my little problem of not wanting to eat has now become this like moral failing on my part. And, and then I beat myself up for even worrying about that. And, and I, I could see this in so many other people, like getting demoted. It, it doesn't look like much on paper. And because it doesn't look like much, we, we find it hard to face the fact that we are suffering, you know, that this one got me, uh, this one hurts. And, you know, this one beat me maybe. So I, I, it sounds like you kind of got lucky you had a good team around you so that you couldn't wriggle away yeah. from this one, you know, um, right. yeah. Yeah, given, I would given have wriggled away. That's a description. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think if given, I could have gotten away, I would have. It's, you might've come back later. Weird. It's like, it probably would have come back later. Right. <laughs> like, I'm super, um, it's, it's really, I just find it fascinating that how things happen. And like, had I not been through the accident, I wouldn't have, um, had the experience with the psychologist. I wouldn't have had this, I'll say, um, uh, you know, this learning that I had gone through. And then the second um, crisis, <laughs> you know, the job demotion and then digging into the, the emotional um, um, aspect of that, um, it, you know, talking to you, it's kind of bringing it out more, like I recognize it more, um, that it uh, overcoming the emotional problems was prop was it was scarier for me than the physical and probably um, I'd say more difficult because I didn't I was so in a in a world in a realm that I had no familiarity with basically um, and the, the physical pain was was kind of relatively I'd say relatively straightforward um but the emotional stuff for me was scary it was unknown and um it it uh i'm but i'm i'm glad that i've gone on through both of those because both of them helped me um, grow tremendously um and made the message that i'm sharing i think far more useful um than it would have been uh, otherwise yeah, well, I certainly get that sense from you that the second crisis actually upgraded your your positive attitude approach. It kind of gave it a a whole new makeover, which has to also include, you know, the experience of of natural human emotion. And I love that. In a way, you've been like lucky in your crisis. You've had the right crisis yes. that you need to do your development. Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, it never really occurred to me that the second thing was really a crisis or as big as the first one until talking to you right, right now. <laughs> but like, it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, you know, that it was, um, it, it, it was, it was there for a reason. It was there for a purpose. And um, it happened in the order that it happened. So glad that it did. Um, cause it, you know, I could, like we had talked about earlier, it kind of made me, it made me who I am today. And I grew a ton, um, in both of those experiences. 
Yeah, you know, a lot of people will brag about the school of hard knocks, but yours is so much more literally that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so literally yeah. training through pain. Um, you know, this is, I'm just thinking of this now, quite interesting for me. Uh, I, I've got quite a few tattoos and I'm not even going to pretend that they hurt as much as whatever you went through, but they hurt as much as anything I've felt. Um, especially the one on my back. I actually passed out when they were doing that one. That I could choose to do, you know, it's just a cosmetic thing that didn't have to happen. I was quite happy to do that, but put me in a situation where I'd be publicly embarrassed that I couldn't do. So there was a time in my life where I'd quite happily take on physical pain in a sense for fun almost, but emotional pain, I couldn't even go near it. And, and I have a suspicion um, confirmed by you and maybe a few others that I've spoken to, especially military guys or extreme athletes that we're actually quite a bit more willing to take on physical pain, not because it feels better, but because it's more, like you said, straightforward. I, I totally got what you meant by that. It's, it's, you can understand physical pain. That thing's broken. That's why I've got pain. Whereas emotional pain is so complex and dark and it's got all the shame and murkiness and weird stories in your head. It's, it's so much more of a mystery than, um, dare I say it, a broken sternum, you know? Um, so I, it's, it's incredible. I, this sounds so weird, but I'm, kind of envious that you've had what you've had like my girlfriend doesn't get it when i say this i kind of want something really bad to happen to me <laughs> like uh, a hostage situation where i'm tortured or you know i'm not sending out an invitation to the universe here exactly but i know that if i can get through something like that i'm going to be so much more of a beast afterwards and i'll be so glad it happened if I can get through it yeah. with the right kind of philosophical attitude where I'm like, you know, even little things like I hate moving house and I've had to move house lately and I hated every second of it because it's just like one of my pet peeves to like move stuff around and clean and that. But as I was doing it, I'd kind of tell myself like somehow I'm getting stronger because of the suffering, um, which is my version of a positive attitude, I guess, which is, you know, anything that hurts me, I'm going to be stronger from eventually. Um, yep. you've had such, you've had such a massive like dose of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't even imagine how much your confidence has just been cemented by such, such extreme duress. Um, which, which brings me to the question, I guess. It's probably the question you've been trying to answer ever since the accident. How do you pass this knowledge on to someone else where, they don't have to hit a tree at 45 miles an hour to learn it, you know? Yeah. It, and it is, it is tough. Um, it, but what I find um, interesting is I, I told, told my story hundreds of times now. Um, and uh, when I tell it, when I tell it live um, uh, and people come up to me afterwards, um, I find it fascinating how, different parts of the story have resonated with, with different people. Mm. Um, and the way I think about it now is um, uh, you, I have no idea what the people I'm talking to are going through or have gone through or, or 
what's what's going on inside their head. Um, but there's a part of my story that's going to resonate with them and help them uh, get through it or get through whatever situation they're in or help them learn one little nugget um, uh, that they that they needed right then that helps them get through it. Um, and so to me, it's um, it's less about trying to get um, my my I'll say entire message across. Um, and I've gotten comfortable with the fact that I'm going to share my entire message, um, knowing that only one little bitty piece of it is all that's really needed. But I never know what it is, mm-hmm. and it's different for everybody. And just go, and I get satisfaction from knowing that I helped um, that person with what they needed help, whatever it was they needed help with then. Um, and so it's, uh, I'd say it's it's less about trying to get my message across and make people more positive, um, but help just help them take a step a step forward in their life, um, where wherever they are in their life, um, and just just that you know being able to be comfortable with. Um, that I, I can't control what they what they take internally. Um, all I can control is what I do, and just get just be perfectly comfortable that I'm, you know, here fulfilling my purpose of sharing my story. Um, and it's not up to me to to make sure it's re- received or how it's received. It's just to to share it and just be comfortable with however it's received is how it was meant to be, just how it was meant to be. So, um, you know, you know, going back to that, um, the question that you had asked earlier about um, people that are, you know, really negative or pessimistic, and how do you, uh, how do I help them, or what's the message to them? And I guess what I would say is like it's um, my my message is going to be the same wherever you are on that continuum of pessimism to optimism um and you're not nobody's going to be able to move um completely from one end of the spectrum to the other um but you can take baby steps along the way um and um the psychology of the optimistic attitude is um what the psychologists say is you have a uh, we all have a negativity bias that's built into our brain um, and you have a positivity offset that you can train to offset that and the negativity bias is part of the um, part of our evolution Um, they call it part of the lizard brain Um, and it's the part of the brain that's always looking for danger um, and things that are going to hurt you and so we have that that's a negativity bias we're looking in our environment and looking for things that are going wrong and um, responding to it. And this was great when we were um, about to be eaten by saber-toothed tigers and um, we needed that for, you know, to survive and pass on our genes. And that's why it's, it, it's a part of evolution, why it's here. Um, um, but it's not as uh, helpful now, um, like, a, like work if I'm given a, a presentation in, into a hostile environment, that part of my brain is, going, is firing off and releasing the chemicals that it releases and it's you know 
affecting how I how I think and it's like activates that fight or flight mechanism where it sends more blood to your extremities so you can fight better or run faster and it shuts off the blood not shuts off but reduces the blood flow to your frontal cortex so you don't think as clearly it's like it's like complete the opposite of what you want um, and so this positivity offset if you train your brain it's actually in the frontal cortex where you do your thinking um, if you train your brain to be more positive you will have the opportunity to recognize um, when your negativity bias is kicking in and have the opportunity to, to think and recognize it and look at it and say, okay, is it helpful to have this response? What is the best thing that I can do in this situation that I find myself in? And so by practicing positivity um, purposefully, um, you can strengthen this part of your brain and slowly over time become a tiny bit more positive so that when you have that, when the next bad thing happens to you um, or that, you know, you know, fear or a dangerous signal goes off in your head, you can um, think more clearly and more naturally have an appropriate response versus your, I'll say, an automatic response. So this, this my story and the message and with the neuroplasticity is, is really just practice positivity a little bit um, uh, and just be purposeful about it. And slowly over time, you'll build up that part of your brain and you will become more optimistic and more able to uh, um, overcome challenges. Well, so much good stuff in that. I mean, the first thing actually is hidden in there was a very practical step which is you asked yourself, what's the best thing I can do in this situation? And yeah. I think so many people choose to ask themselves, why did this happen to me? Rather than asking themselves, what's the best thing I can do about it? Um, and that's, that's huge. I mean, that's such a, I love that. That's such a practical way to practice this is every time something doesn't go your way, ask yourself that question, see what comes up. What I also love is that you're not trying to come up with here's the five step program for, for positive attitude. You're just sharing your story and letting bits of it land where it lands. And I could actually take a page from your book. I'm always trying so hard to deconstruct confidence and put it into step-by-step processes where perhaps it would be uh, more beneficial and, and more enjoyable to just share the stories of, of kind of overcoming challenges and see what people take from that. Um, yeah, I, I really hope people are listening to what you're saying because you're not just some wannabe guru spouting off stuff that they came up with because they read a couple of books. You're somebody who had his head smashed in and then a very short time later got his confidence crushed by getting uh, demoted at work. I mean, demoted's kind of self-esteem wise. It's worse than getting fired. You know, it's been taken down a bit rather than sort of getting kicked out. I mean, that's so hard for, for the ego to take. And you had both of those things in a short period of time. So I feel very secure in saying, you know what you're talking about. If you're able to get through those things and come out stronger on the other side, then people should be listening to your story and figuring out how it applies to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really fascinating to hear you speak, man. And to hear the similarities, you know, a guy who, who has, 
his whole body destroyed in a skiing accident. I've talked to people who have been abused as children. I've talked to other people uh, who have been bullied. And the ones who recovered say a lot of the same stuff or have the same perspective on what happened to them as you do on what happened to you. There's this kind of general principle coming through how you view something really determines how it affects you. And you seem to have found a way to view it in a very incredibly helpful frame, you know? Um, and it's, it's just so good to, to talk to someone who's done that. I, pre- I appreciate that. It's, um, it's a, you, it's such a unique story, you know, story. Um, and, when I first started telling it was really just about the accident um, and about, you know, the positivity and, and the things that I started with again, the book is like eight practical ways to, to build your positivity. So I have some of the, the same right, yeah. you have where I like you know, five step program or whatever, 12 step program to boost your positivity. But there are, you know, the things in the book are like practical things that you can do um, to um, boost your positivity. Um, or build those circuits in your brain or overcome the challenges that you have. Um, uh, and it's, um, it's you know, t- talking to you has made me realize how uh, important that second crisis that I went through um, really mm-hmm. was um, uh, in this whole thing. And it was um, for quite a while, very difficult for me to, to share and, and, talk about because like there's a lot of shame that like hey i got demoted so i'm this um not good enough or i'm not that good of a person um and so you feel that shame and so it's hard to admit it and talk about it openly but like like you said it's um if you're not everybody goes through these things Mm -hmm. um and if, if you're not you're not human or you're pretending to be something that you're that you're not and um, it's, uh, uh, it's, I don't know, my, my view on it is um, I went through it for a reason to grow personally. I'm out here sharing my, sharing my story and both of those crises that I went through can be, can be helpful to people and help them get more out of their, more out of their life. Um, and there was one other thing that you had said um, earlier that I wanted to, to touch on um, was how important you are to other people in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was something that um, through this accident made me realize uh, as well. And the story I tell with, with this is like, so the accident happened on uh, March 9th of 2014. And six months later, uh, my daughter is celebrating her 16th birthday. And we're having dinner around the table. And there's about 10 of us around the table just, you know, carrying on and having a good time. And um, I'm sitting there, um, and like I said, I enjoy moments. And so, like, at, at times I'll, like, pause what I'm doing and go, oh, God, it's great to be here today. <laughs> great, mm-hmm. great to be in the middle of this situation and conversation. And I did that while sitting at the table. My daughter's 16th birthday. I said, I am so glad that I am here to celebrate my daughter's 16th birthday. I'm so lucky to get to do this. This is awesome. And, um, and so just kind of stepping away mentally from the situation, looking around the table going, God, this is great. Um, and then the second thought I had was what would this, 
what would this conversation be like had I died six months ago? Mm. Um, and realized like, holy shit, Katie would probably be thinking, God, I wish dad was here. And like the whole, everything would be sad. And so I like started like tearing up going, oh my God, like, like I recognized how uh, important I was in other people's lives um, and just made me appreciate um, being here um, all that much, all that much more. And like, um, the work you're doing with your podcast and with your coaching is making a difference in other people's lives um, in ways that you have, in ways that you have no idea. Um, there are some that you're doing purposely and others that happen uh, accidentally that make profound differences in people's lives. And it's just one of these things that we just have to, um, I'd say, remind ourselves of that, um, how impactful we are on those around us. Yeah, I, I feel that, man. You know, it's, yeah, unfortunately I have to work often with people who are uh, depressed and, and sometimes suicidal. And often the, the only reason they maintain that feeling is because they don't believe in that impact that they have. And of course they won't see it until, uh, it's too late sort of thing. And yeah, I think that always resonates with me. Sometimes this work that, that I do is, is, is difficult. Uh, it can be quite challenging to, to work with people and their issues all day long. But I always think like you do with your throwing out your story and hoping bits land, I think somewhere bits land and it helps people. And uh, if that's what's happening, then I'll take it, you know? Um, but that's, uh, it's incredible for you to have that kind of, almost like two alternate realities right there. Like one, you're there enjoying the party and everyone's having a good time and being able to see that alternate reality where you're not there. And this is just a reminder that you're not there and everybody's upset. Um, and just the, the pure gratitude of which reality sort of came true for you. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. That's incredibly huge, man. It's, it's so weird to be talking to somebody who got smashed to pieces and then demoted and talking about it, like those are the best things that ever happened to you. You know, it's it's kind of bizarre. <laughs> but you know, I I think in my own life, I again, there's really no way to compare pain with with other people. But all the best transformations I've ever made in my life directly came after something really, really sucked for me. You know, something was really painful, yeah. uh, not necessarily physically, but emotionally or what I, what I've come to call psychological pain, which is uh, beliefs and thoughts about myself that are incredibly uncomfortable. Um, you know, kind of internal crisis. It isn't really just one emotion. It's kind of like a state of existentialism or anything like that. You know, those have been always the motivators for me. And, and your story resonates with me very specifically for one reason, which is one of my greatest fears is not death, but brain damage. Uh, because, you know, my, some people are athletes and, and their greatest fear would be, you know, damage to their body. If I'm, I'm a mind athlete, like my brain is everything to me. It's my whole source of entertainment, like psychology, everything. And there's, there's dementia in my family, like in my genetics, there's the possibility that one day I'll lose my mind sort of thing. And nothing terrifies me more than that. So when you're talking about like, coming through the recovery and on the, on the lookout for signs that you're now stupid or whatever. Um, that was my 
you you just described my nightmare really and and so i totally i totally felt that one like if i was in that situation i would really struggle if i saw any signs that i had lost a bit of my mental capacity i i I struggled with that that was like my big my big fear um and like oh my god are you different are you different like like Mm. and i felt like i had this this the inner voice was like constantly watching and like oh you're different like and i was scared to death uh that i was um gonna be different um and that my wife wouldn't like me anymore but like you know what if i'm you know what if i you know and like like you said like, like my intelligence was a big part of my identity and like if you're not gonna like it's it scared me um that I wouldn't be the same person, that I wouldn't be as smart, that I was going to be um, uh, different, and it it was it was terrifying uh, for me. So, and I have like a, his, the, the same genetics in in my family, and uh, you know I may have dementia later in my life, you know. If, <laughs> but it's like I'm trying to do um, like one of my one of my intentions. I say is I'm going to see Haley's comet. Um, with my kids and their kids and maybe even their kids um, and I'm going to do it with a clear mind Um, I want to I want to be around I'll be like 94 when Haley's Comet comes back like I try to make decisions now um, that are healthy decisions is kind of the the point of that intention so that I could be here and go um, experience uh, what life has to offer me later Um, but the whole um brain injury thing for me was, um, it was terrifying. And the two things that were different um, that they found was my memory recall was not as good mm-hmm. and my task switching speed was not as um, fast. Um, and so those were the two things that um, I actually worked on, kind of, again, that concept of neuroplasticity. If I wanted a better memory, I just had to practice remembering things. And so they gave me a bunch of exercises to go practice um, and improve memory. And then the same thing on task switching speeds, just doing things that enabled me to, to practice that and help say speed it back up. So, um, but the, uh, I don't know, the, like, like you said, the brain injury was uh, for me was the most terrifying, the most terrifying part, the most unknown and the one where there was the most variability in, um, people recovering. So it's like I did everything I possibly could to help help uh, heal my brain. Yeah, well, you did everything you could. And, and I think, you know, you know, I could talk to you for hours, but we'll have to wrap it up at some point. Um, <laughs> the, you know, the thing coming through to me there is there's this constant theme of you doing the best you can with whatever resources are available to you and and kind of you're one of the few people I know who I think uses goals in a very healthy way you know you set something for yourself in the future but it's not something you become all emotionally attached to in the sense that you become really needy for it it's just it gives you a a direction like I really loved the way you talked about how I need to breathe not just for myself but for my kids it's such a powerful goal because now you can't give up on it I mean I did something similar with with my work as a confidence coach, which, you know, I don't know, once a year or something, I'll have a little breakdown and think, oh, I can't do this anymore. Usually lasts like two or three days. 
And when that happens, I'm like, oh, but what if there's some dude out there who's like suicidal unless he hears my podcast or watches a video or I coach him? How can I stop knowing that that's a possibility? You know, and I, I only just realized I like, talking to you that that's actually one of the main things that keeps me going through tough times is I have these little like kind of ridiculous goals like that. Ridiculous in the sense that they're very like visionary and kind of um, swinging for the fence, but also they take me away from my own little selfish needs and put me into a place where I'm, I'm trying to, it's almost like I'm trying to show that, uh, that my life has been worthwhile, that I've made the most of whatever talents or resources or whatever that I've got. And I hear a lot of that coming through from you. So that's why I really, I really resonate with why you're doing this and I'm really on board with it. Um, and I'm so glad that you've allowed us to experience the wisdom of the accident without us having to go get all those broken bones and stuff. You know, it's really an easy ride for us. We just kind of get the, you know, we get the light version, which is nice. Um, look, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this up by talking a bit about your book. I mean, I really, I really do believe in your message. So tell us a bit about how people can learn more about it. Yes. So um, the book is called head first, a crash course in positivity. Um, And it's available. (laughs) (laughs) It's available on on, uh, Amazon uh, in both Kindle and the the paperback. Um, And there's, there's some pictures in it of the accident. One of the things we didn't uh, talk about today is, um, uh, that you'll have to get the book, I guess, to hear more about is the, mm-hmm. the giant rubber chicken in a role that the, a giant rubber chicken in a polka dot bikini played in my recovery. Um, maybe that's for right. another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, I did, I, um, I can't take credit for the, for the title of the book as a friend of mine who came up with it. I thought it was a, um, a great, uh, kind of summary of, of, of what the book is about, but it's basically um, the story of my recovery, um, all the things that went well, the things that didn't go well, uh, and then then are laced with it are practical um, kind of exercises of positivity of things that you can do to build up those positivity circuits in your mind or some strategies around uh, overcoming obstacles in in your life. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Excellent, man. Well, I'll, I'll make sure I include a link to that and as to your website as well so people can explore it. And honestly, I'm going to get a copy of the book myself and, and have a read of it. You know, I've got nothing on my reading list for the next week. So um, awesome. I really want to dive into I that. Hear, and... I hear it's good. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good unbiased review there. So perfect. I'm a little, I'm a little biased, I guess, but it is bad. I've heard enough people say it's good that I'm starting to believe them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a, as a fellow author, I know that particular one, like did, did I just write total shit? Does anybody else like this? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot of work and you're like, you're good. like, Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I always think of it as like showing people your brain without any clothes on, you know, it's, 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 it's terrifying. Yeah. What are they going to look at? What are they going to see when they see it? But, Look, I mean, anybody listening to this can tell if, if 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 the book's anything close to what we've talked about today, it's definitely worth reading. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate this, man. And and most of all, I appreciate 
what's happened well before we ever um, got together, which is that you had to go through all that stuff. And for whatever reasons, uh, you were able to, you know, spin those very, you know, just destructive um, external situations into gold for yourself and then be able to have the courage. And I know it takes incredible courage to be vulnerable enough to go around and share that publicly, you know, to, to welcome whatever judgments may come so that certain people will hear the bits they need to hear from that story and, and learn from it. So uh, from all of us listening, we really appreciate you coming on the call, Steve, and sharing your story and, and exploring even sounds like exploring some, some slightly new stuff with, with me, which I appreciate. Yeah. And thank um, you very much. Jim. You're more than welcome. We'll, we'll have to have another chat soon. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Thank you for having me on uh, and allowing me the opportunity to share my story and, and actually really helping me dig a little deeper into it and get some more, uh, more value out of it. Thank you. No problem. Any final words, thoughts before we sign off? No, I don't think so. I'd say just um, for everyone out there that's looking to try to be, um, um, you know, build these positivity circuits or be a little bit more positive. It's just kind of uh, let go of the expectations of being an optimistic person all the time and just get comfortable with taking tiny steps forward. And that's really the only, only path you need to be on just Take tiny steps forward and you'll get through it. I agree more, man. Uh, basically everything you've said today, I totally resonate with and would give the same advice myself. So absolutely on board with that. Thank you again, Steve. And we'll be in touch again soon. Thank you. Cool. Stop Very good. Oh, that's what you look like. I remember now. Mm-hmm.